out there and what is going on. I am so thankful to be a part of this. And so let's get started because we have a great guest. Thank you. Hello, Jan, are you on? Let me see if I can click you on. It's coming right now. Hello there. Hello there, how are you? Good to see you. I'm so, I'm so glad we finally got together. And folks, we're glad to have this experienced person that she has degrees in uh, exceptionalities of children and we're talking about over 20 plus years in the field of special education so we're going to get a lot of good insight and i am grateful for her presence here today and so what we're going to do is we're going to ask her some questions to kind of pick her brain right so that you can be inspired and informed about things that she is going to be provide with us this morning. We can't see you, but we, we can hear you. You can hear me? Yes, we can hear can you. you hear me? Yes, we can. We can okay. hear you, but we can't I'm see you. I can't show you today my face. I just I'm running, 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 getting ready for uh, prepping for school and spending all yeah. of my time this weekend. I just yeah. didn't have time to put my face on, but I did want to connect with you and I want to share as much as I can with, with your audience. But I do want to say one thing. I have over 20 years experience uh, teaching at uh, special ed kids, but I actually have more experience with special needs children because my son uh, was diagnosed uh, as a special need kid when he was seven years old. Mm -hmm. He's now 35 years old. Uh, I actually went into education because um, in the meeting, in the IEP meeting for my son, they said they couldn't teach him how to read and that he just couldn't learn well i'm an avid reader i mean i read everything my babysitter has always been that's my favorite place to go was to the library so mm -hmm. i just said to myself i'm going to teach him how to read and guess what within months he was reading and he's now an avid reader uh and so i decided to go into education particularly to work with african-american children uh and, and boys especially to make sure they got everything that they need because i do have some feelings about education in the african-american community uh mm -hmm. and the services that we receive so that was my point so yes i've been teaching special needs for years and years and years but i i have a uh, a deep and embedded interest yeah. in uh, education for our children. And let me tell you something, every African-American child that's in special education is not a special ed kid. Okay, that, that's my field, so let's go. I am just 
you don't know how much that statement, those words warm my heart because having been a special ed teacher and special ed administrator, I understand that. And it just did my heart to hear you say that. Yes. And um, I noticed that many special education boys were railroaded yes, into special education yes, yeah, unnecessarily. And so this is going to be a good conversation. And so I was going to mention about your son. I'm so glad you just brought that forward as soon as you did. There's many parents out there that need to know that. A system has labeled your child. Don't let that emphasize how you treat your child or how you're child to live their life. We have to be, um, I think this this whole thing, what we're going through right now, it, it might ha it may have some benefits because we're having to stop and really take a look mm. at um, at uh, how we engage in society and particularly with our children and with this option to do online learning it is a great opportunity for our parents to teach our children because we cannot expect a system to teach our kids who when the system mm, has has how do i say it the system has other intentions, other intentions for our children. So let's use this opportunity with online learning and the option not to go into the brick and mortar school as a way to really connect with our kids and teach them what they need to know, not necessarily what the system wants them to know. And I'm talking more about teach these teach our kids who they are and their value as opposed to allowing the system to teach them what they're not which is good enough so yeah, yeah yes. let's let's so you know what i would tell parents and i know this is one of the questions that you have for me is what can we do with our children in this online learning platform of course we want to make sure that you get the curriculum completed but it's not just about sitting down in front of a computer and maybe doing some math problems and doing some reading. Get out into the community and talk to your children about what they what uh, how the curriculum you can integrate that into everyday life. Yes. So um, if you're reading a story about holes, H-O-L-E-S, the story that we're reading in class, because I actually went back into the classroom, um, take that story and talk about how you how that how, what you see in the community. Talk to your kids. Our kids are behind in reading. They're, they're not scoring as high as they can in reading because we're not talking to our children. We talk at them but we don't necessarily talk to them and engage them in communication. Mm -hmm. I agree. But, yeah, we can't just continue to sit down, do this, do that, uh, and then put them in front of a television. 
We need to really have conversations with our kid. If we're doing math, talk about the math problem. If, if it's multiplication, you can bring some real world applications into that uh, learning experience. So really what I'm advocating for parents to do during this COVID experience online is to talk to your children. If it's science, go outside and plant a garden. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can go and pick really inexpensive, uh, inexpensive, um, science tools, a, a magnifying glass, uh, you know, look at ants, all kinds of things that we can do. Talk about different plants. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about plants that you can eat, mm-hmm. you know, for survival. Yes. Uh, there's lots of things that we can do that and in the classroom, we can't do all we have is books and paper, but yeah. the parents can get out into the community, into real life, and teach their kids and talk about their history. You know, there's more than just American history, and there's more to our history in American history that we don't get to hear in the classroom. It's true. It's true. I think I'm a great advocate of teaching real life to the real life. Because of the quarantine, I've always believed that. And your point brings me to this. Many of our special needs children are plopped in front of a computer mm-hmm. to learn, and it has no value and no meaning to them. And their attention span to just sit in front of a machine or a device is not helpful. And they reject that, don't they? And share with your your viewers how many times our children are are just not feeling that sitting in front of a device. No, they're not. A lot of the times, a lot of times when special needs when African-American boys are put into special education is because of hyperactivity. They won't sit down. And so they're labeled special needs. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you think is going to happen when you sit a kid who's already hyper in front of a, a computer? And when I say hyper, I don't mean it in a negative way. So we need to really even talk about what hyper means. They have a lot of energy. They are doers. Our black, I don't know, our audience is African-American, I'm I'm guessing. It doesn't matter. We want to hear your your opinion and your expressions on this subject. Okay, our doers. Our boys are doers. They want to get engaged. They want to put their hands on things. That's how they learn. There are different learning modalities, and the public education system a lot of times doesn't touch on how our kids learn, But so they get put into special education a lot of times. Um, so when you send a special ed kid in front of a computer, it's not meeting his needs. It's getting him out of the way. Mm. And it's keeping him busy because my kids, when we do put them on that program, um, they uh, they switch it off to YouTube. And I'm mm. telling you, kids that can't spell, 
can find stuff on YouTube. Look at that. Oh, that's so powerful. And for the you know what? I, what I did want to say is, having been a special teacher myself, I noticed that. My my colleagues would uh, refer my our black boys to special education because they would sing in the ABC, A, B, B, C, you know, really moving. They said, oh, he's doing too much. So I didn't understand it, and I tried to discuss with my peers, this is his way of expressing himself, it's not harmful, it's not even hyperactive. It's just, you know, he, the way that his community expresses himself. And do you know that I feel that when our boys are referred for special education, the parent needs to sit in the IEP, which parents out there who don't know what that is, that's an individual educational program. When they refer, you advocate for your child and don't just let them push them off to special ed because it is easier for the teacher. There you go. And so you have to, yes, they have to advocate it's a, for the children. It's a part of, um, it's a part of the, um, what do you call it? Something to prison pipeline. Yes. Yes, it they're is. already being They're already being labeled. So we do have to advocate for our children. And let me tell you something. Those schools will listen. The schools will listen if the parents um, advocate for their child. Uh, yeah, they will listen. And you've got to go to those meetings. You've got to ask questions. And then when you leave the meeting, you've got to go and do some research and see if what they've told you is accurate. You know, and see if there's any other, ask them, what learning modality are you using with my child? Because just pencil and paper and auditory learning isn't going to do it. They need kinesthetic opportunities to learn, which is movement. They need tactile mm -hmm. opportunities, which is the touching and feeling. Uh, when you go to these A-plus rated schools and these private schools, they're not just sitting and reading a book. They are actually acting out a book in a play. Yes. You know, in their classes. In the science classes, they are actually performing these science activities um, using all kinds of different tools. In math, they're using all kinds of, they're not just using pencil and paper. They're, they're doing experiments and group. And, and so, and that's really how our kids learn. That is really, when you get an African-American kid, particularly a boy, engaged in a, a hands-on activity where they can talk, move, stand up, uh, they're going to be far more engaged and the learning is going to be integrated into their prior knowledge and they're going to be able to build on it. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and the parents need to ask for that. How are you teaching my kid? Um, and, and the school will provide whatever the kid needs if the parent asks for it. Legally, they're obligated to. And parents don't, my, I've always said parents don't know their power when they sit in those meetings. 
Because when parents request something and they follow through and they consistently do that, the schools jump to it, don't they? Don't yes, they, they jump do. to it? Yes, and they do. They really do. And the, you want the least restrictive environment for your child. Yes, you do. The environment yes, do. that the environment that brings them closer to the general population as possible. That's what you want. We don't want our children isolated unnecessarily. And it can be Yes, it yeah. can be done. Oh, I'm, I'm just, I'm just so, so great to have your expertise, Joan. Uh, it's really going to be a benefit to my audience. And let me see that. I would like to ask you this. Given some schools have modified their programs for our children throughout the country during the pandemic, do you feel more parents will be more open to some form of remote learning? And yes. why? Mm -hmm. We we started off, we went back to school on August the 20th. Last Thursday was our students' first day. And we anticipated that one third of our district would be, but would receive their uh, instruction virtually. Uh, it's eight days in now, mm -hmm. seven days in yesterday, and we're at half of the district has opted for online learning. Um, yeah, half of, well, and I'm in Florida and uh, Jacksonville to be specific, and we have, uh, we're, we're, um, we have a lot of cases of COVID. I'm sorry, my dog is barking. We have a lot of cases of COVID, and uh, the numbers aren't going down. So parents felt like it was a better option to keep their kids at home for safety reasons. And that was not a bad choice because I'm going to tell you, honestly, we are not on site. We are not prepared. We don't have the materials that we need to keep these kids uh, safe yeah. and healthy. Mm. So that's the reason why parents are choosing to keep their kids uh, at home here in Jacksonville. Okay. Okay. So I, I was dealing with this myself. Can you tell parents about their children with special needs and remote learning? It can be overwhelming for some parents to be trying to be at home, trying to work, or just to have a better understanding of how to teach their special needs or even any children at home. Can you how can we encourage them to stay calm and cool during this pandemic and just keep moving forward? Getting ideas and, and and staying positive about this new type of learning that we're all gonna have to adjust to. Yeah, you that's a that's a great question. And thank you for asking me that because I wanna share when I did virtual learning beginning in March of last year, uh I was actually working online doing some things and one of my parents popped up in a, uh, like a conference call, I don't know what you call it, on what we call Teams. And so my video was on, I could see her and she could see me. And she's standing over my student who's got snot and tears just flowing from their face. The mom's got a belt. And she's like, we've been working on this stuff for an hour. 
and she still can't get it right. And I asked her, you know, call me, let's talk privately. Uh, aside from the kid, and I told her, first of all, do things in small all increments, five or ten minutes, and their special needs kids uh, kids do have issues processing information. So if they're overwhelmed or, or stressed, they are not going to recall uh, what you just shared with them and myself. If I'm stressed out, I have a hard time remembering. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So keep, keep everything calm or be calm. Um, Small, Do short increments in learning. Do short increments in teaching. Uh, don't expect to do what we do at school. You know, we have 90 minutes per class. You, you don't need 90 minutes per class. We're not giving you 90 minutes worth of work. We don't expect you to do that. Uh, and a lot of the things that you could be doing with your kid um, don't have to be done in in. Uh, paper, pencil, or even on the computer. You know, just um, just relax. Don't try to give them eight hours of instruction. Whatever you do, do do it in small increments of time, and then take a break. And be sure to incorporate movement uh, into the. You know, there's lots of programs online where they can just get a five-minute movement break. They can dance. Uh, they could perform some kind of activity around the house or outside and then come back inside and um, get back to work for another 15, 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. You know, well, I remember not to try to, we don't expect you guys to be teachers. You're just going to do your best with the situation that we currently have. Um, mm -hmm. And the last thing you want to do is stress yourself out and stress the kid out. Enjoy your kid. That's what yeah. we need for you to do. Just enjoy mm -hmm. your meeting. I love that. Thank you for that, Joan. Matter of fact, I would love to uh, be a part of these school districts where I could have dialogue and, and uh, workshops with parents on how to deal during this pandemic, how to deal with their children, how to deal with instructional practices, and how to support their child as well as advocate for them. And I love to tell parents, if you have a concern, call your school district. I always say call your parent, your teacher first. I don't say jump to the school district, call your teacher first and try to resolve it at the school level. But after that, if you can't call get the to me, call the district. And I would love, in fact, I'm beginning to put together a package where I could uh, help school districts and help parents get through this uh, academic uncertainty. Mm -hmm. So I was in that. So and, uh, I think there's a great thing for it. But the uh, upper thing. Yeah, I, I, I'm composing a list of, of websites, books, and instructional material for parents. But just right off the top of your head, is there one or two instructional materials, websites, or books that you could just share with parents that they can use sure. as a from them? Well, one thing that I would tell 
parents to do is they can go to they can go to teachers pay teachers and there's lots of, of uh, lesson plans that uh, teachers have created that are very inexpensive some of them are free mm-hmm. and uh, some of them maybe cost a dollar or a dollar fifty and I've never seen anything more than three dollars and it's a complete lesson plan with the materials that you need to teach a particular uh, subject. So if you want to work on multiplication with your kid, you can go into Teachers Pay Teachers, type in multiplication, and several uh, hundreds of lesson plans with materials will pop up for you to print, and they're very parent-friendly. And they're they're parent-friendly, and they're very good lessons. Um, So we all do that. We all go there because we have to supplement that material from the textbooks that we get, which is a lot of times really, really dry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then another uh, web page is Brain a Pop, B-R-A-I-N-P-O-P. And there's a Brain Pop and there's a Brain Pop Junior. And both of those program have programs have videos to support short videos to support uh, lots of different academic standards. Um, Yeah, those are really good. Uh, Some of the videos are free. A lot of them you do, well, uh, if you, if there's something that you want that's not free, then you can always buy a subscription for it. But it's 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 worth it. It is mm-hmm. worth it. And each one of them comes with a quiz and then other activities, a game to uh, reinforce that uh, skill for the video. Uh, and then there's also one that I really like, Vizzle, uh, V-I-Z-Z-L-E. It's an interactive online program program. Uh, for special needs children. Yeah. Oh, great. So, yeah, those are three that I would definitely have parents take a look at. Oh, that's great. I'm sure parents out there, I know you're loving this because getting a website from an educator, someone that knows it's going to far be far more beneficial than just mm-hmm. trying to carry it through the internet and see what works. Wow. Ah, that's wow. great. Oh, that's awesome, awesome. Uh, in the future, I'm just wondering, in the future, can you see parents paying for professionals to come into the home? Oh, yeah, already. Yeah. I do know of several parents already that have there's some teachers that did not go back into the classroom for whatever reason. Uh, and I know a couple of them are taking two or three kids into their homes mm-hmm. right now to provide this instruction while the parents are working. Yeah, it's already happening. And there are online, um, especially on Facebook, a lot of times I see uh, teachers uh, advertising tutoring services. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, it's and out we know, there. Historically, tutoring has always helped in a child's achievement. Mm-hmm. Especially special needs kids. Yeah. Because special needs teachers at home, they have more leeway to actually do what needs to be done as opposed to, you know, following whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> It is 
been so awesome having this conversation with you this morning. Yes, it has been so great. I'm, I have really enjoyed it. I hope that uh, the parents have found it uh, advantageous to have you on as our guest. And I'm just, um, I'm just happy to have had you. And I thank you oh. for coming on and for sharing your expertise. Oh, I'm so glad that I was able to finally, that we were finally able to do this. And yeah, uh, yeah so thank you so much for inviting me, Makia. And I think you're doing a wonderful thing uh, for parents and for our community. We really have to, right now, if we do nothing else, we have to really start to take care of each other. Yes. Uh, and, and this is a part of taking care of each other as educators using our expertise to help parents move along. And just being frank and honest, do not depend on the public education system to teach your children. That's right. And I look forward to t uh, talking to you offline at some point and just to uh, talk about some things that I'm interested in doing and that I'm putting together. All righty. Yeah. Most definitely. Just just give me a call, my kid. You're always welcome. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. Okay. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yes, this has been an awesome, awesome interview with Joan Brooks sharing her expertise about special education and some things to help support parents as they struggle or perhaps move through this pandemic and working with their children at home. Thank you so much. This is Mama Lay. Mama Lay is a platform that informs, inspires, and educates you in areas that are important.